Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. This week we are joined by an absolute legend. If you're a Formula E fan, you'll definitely have seen him wildly celebrating on camera or commiserating in some cases. Team principal of the Mahindra Racing Formula E team, Dilbag Gill, joined us to chat all about his life growing up in India, the Mahindra brand and how their last six seasons have gone in Formula E. With a host of top-level drivers and teams, they have been able to hold their own as the oldest OEM in the series. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 40 of the Motormouth podcast. Before we introduce today's guest, I need to head, as always, over to the English county that is home to the famous Flitch Trials, a very unusual competition that sees married couples compete to prove they're the most devoted to each other and each couple has to convince the judges that they haven't regretted their marriage once in the past year. The winners are rewarded with the flitch of bacon. Yes, I do believe that is my best Essex-based fact to date. However, that is not the reason why we head to Essex. The real reason is to bring in my radio DJ, motorsport guru, thespian friend and colleague, Harry Benjamin. How are you? I'm very well, Tim. Thank you very much. Once again, knocking it out of the park uh, with uh, Essex facts. Um, never heard that one. So you're doing well there. Um, I am very well, thank you. Can we just take a moment to celebrate Paul DeResta <coughs> winning at Le Mans? Because I feel like that's a big moment for me. And regular listeners will know how much of a fan I am of Mr. Paul DeResta. Um, and I just wanted to make sure I got that in there with the rabbit. Yeah, course. yeah. Well, this is now old news because we are. Yes, talk- this will be way we're, down the line. We're talking from yeah. the future here, so we're we're mm. probably talking three weeks or so now. We're recording the the weekend, the, the day after the end of the Le Mans twenty four hour. Yeah. However, the reality is that the release of this podcast will be in two to three weeks time. So. Um, and I'll still be on a high. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you are his biggest fan and he has yet to come on the podcast, exactly. which we will forever uh, not forgive him about, but um, we'll get him one day. Um, yes, we will. Right. Shall I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let's do it. Now then, this is exciting because we have our first current team principal on the show. We've had former F1 bosses, but never a current boss until today. Dilbag Gill is the team principal and CEO of Mahindra Racing in Formula E, where he's been since the 2014-15 inaugural season. Gosh, that seems a long time ago. Um, As one of the 10 founding teams and the only Indian team, he's enjoyed numerous wins and podiums, and we're delighted to have him here to learn about him, his life, Mahindra, and of course, Formula E. A big motormouth welcome to Dilbag Gill. Dillbag, thank you so much for coming on to the Motormouth podcast. Um, that we, what we like to do is we start with all our guests sort of taking us back to your roots, really. You know, where, where did you grow up and, and when did motorsport sort of become part of your radar? Before we get down to that, I just want to correct you. As you know, the Lemar was over yesterday and another Essex best one, that was oh. Alex Lynn. Yes, of course. Alex he did, Lynn. Right. So, he did so of course. Start. GTE Pro, well, round of applause to him as well. well. Absolutely. That's good, actually, because that was my final Essex-based fact. I have run out. And in the next episode of the podcast, uh, we've done 40-odd episodes. I've had one for every podcast because (laughs) Harry lives there. And this is it. This is is a big moment. It's gone now. All right. So I just want to uh, tell you a little bit about my knowledge about England. So I think I've... You've done well. And now 
I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've knocked it out of the park yet. So yeah, take us back to, to, to your roots and, and where you started you know, growing up. Was it in India? And when, when did motorsport, yeah, become part of your life? Well, I guess uh, I hope you guys have a little bit of time because see, I'm 50 years old now. So <laughs> <laughs> the last part of my life is quite a bit. So yeah, I grew up in India. I grew up on a tea plantation. So my dad grew tea. So this was a very remote part of India. So we didn't have like schools, etc. So I went to a boarding school right when I was five years old. And funny enough, that boarding school was founded by an English gentleman 170 year, years ago in 1858 or something like that. So wow. long, long, long time ago. It was called the Lawrence School. A, f- a fantastic uh, school. Enjoyed myself out there. But what happened was since I grew up on this real remote part of, the, uh, of India in the tea plantations, the roads were all private roads. Okay, so you could start having fun before you had a driving license. <laughs> um, my dad was a pretty good driver himself. And so he let me start, like, um, I started pestering him, I think, when I was around 11 or something to drive a car. He uh, did allow me to do that. And it was good fun because we had these old uh, cars, which were, I think, the Morris Oxford from UK, which was a 1950 car, which was imported to India. And I think it's been the longest production car ever till the last couple of years. It was still being produced called the Hindustan Ambassador. <clears throat> I think it was like 40 horsepower or something like that. So, and wow. we were on the, the, on the T estate. <laughs> so it was all, a lot of it's uphill. So the car could never climb uphill. So we never wanted to drive fast. It was how fast you could go down there. <laughs> okay, that's... And I still remember my dad used to be standing at the corner of those hills and saying, if I hear you lift off till you reach this point, I'm not going to accept it. So every time he used to move closer to the corner. But then I kept thinking, it's his car, not mine. So <laughs> no, no harm in like pushing it. And we were largely a labor-intense industry, okay, where there's a lot of people who get involved in it. And at one point in time, there was a bit of a labor unrest on the plantation, so I had to start driving the truck to bring the produce from the garden to the factory. And that's when I started driving a truck. And this was maybe when I was like 14 years old. So I became quite good at driving a small truck. And then I became, I think, the youngest ever part spent in the Himalayan rally. And I think now maybe statute of limitations is okay. I entered a rally with a fake license when I was underage. Oh, naughty, naughty. Well, I finished on the podium. Well, forgiven. <laughs> so that, yeah, then everything's forgotten. You're all good to go. So how old were you then? Were you actually, when you were... Uh, I, uh, I was 17 and in India you got a license at 18. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so only just. I did my, yeah, I just, I did my application accurately. I claimed my, did give my correct date of birth. Good. And that guy didn't add, the guy who gave me the license didn't add the date. That, okay, <laughs> you cannot be 18 at this point of time. So well, the age is right. Well, <laughs> so you obviously had a, a bit of a, an interest in, in automotive and, and motorsports yes. at a relatively young age. Um, and, and fast forward a few years and you find yourself the boss of a Formula E team. Before, before we go into that further, tell us a little bit about Mahindra because... Mahindra is not um, just a Formula E team. There's a lot more to to Mahindra and the business than, than many people will realise, particularly those that just watch the Formula E. So just give us a bit of background about Mahindra and your involvement with them pre-Formula E. Okay. See, Mahindra is a 75-year-old company. We started in World War II assembling Jeeps for the Allies. So that's where a heritage of off-road vehicles comes from. So... For the Allies, the kits came down of Jeeps, we assembled it, and now 75 years later, we are a conglomerate making bicycles to aircraft. 
Amazing. So we do electric bicycles, scooters, up to aircraft and literally everything in between. Mahindra today is operational in more than 100 countries with 250,000 people. Wow. And huge. it is one of the more better known brands in India and a couple of the other markets. So as an organization, we are pretty well known. Fun fact, we are the world's largest manufacturer of tractors. We make the most number of tractors in the world. Wow. And are they badged Mahindra or are they badged? Yeah. yeah. Something? yeah. Uh, but so like uh, if you go to United States and many of the other markets, we don't sell attractors in England yet. As a Mahindra product, we don't sell any product in England. But we do have our sister companies. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of a company called Sangyong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Automotive. So Sangyong is a Mahindra company. Hmm. And another fun fact, uh, the Peugeot two-wheelers, if you look at a Peugeot scooter or motorcycle, that's a Mahindra company, including the brand. Wow. Oh. God, that's okay, amazing. So I think today uh, the French government, part of the presidential fleet, has taken the Peugeot Metropolis as a scooter. So that is a new product is, which is uh, part of the presidential fleet. I think it was just announced today. Oh, yeah. very so nice. There are like small little bits around the world. And I think one of our recent acquisitions, which we're really proud of, is Pininfarina, the design studio in Italy. So growing up, people of my age would recognize every Ferrari had that little logo on the side of yeah. it, Pininfarina. So that's something which we've acquired. And then we've created a company to make some high-end electric cars under the brand of Automobili Pininfarina. Yeah. Amazing. So, so in the last six years, it took us to make the world's slowest electric car to make the world's fastest. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? So you, you, Mahindra obviously has this incredible heritage and background. When did the idea first come about to, to enter this electric racing championship? You know, was electric, what's the electric market like in the automotive world in India? And did that play a fact? And, and obviously, you've enjoyed such success in Formula E now. So it was obviously the right, the right decision. So Mahindra was making electric cars for the last 18 years. Wow. In fact, the company which we acquired did sell electric cars in England many, many years ago. And again, I'm, I don't know if I should be proud of this, but at least it's a, it's going to remain historic. That Top Gear voted our car, the Jeep, is the worst car ever. Okay, But but remember, that was 16 years ago. Yeah, okay. so, come a long way. So, yeah, so we're talking <laughs> about electrics from that period of time. So we were pretty ahead, like far ahead of the curve at that point of time. In 2012, even before Formula e became an idea, we looked at uh, our entire product range and we said by 2022, we'll have at least 30% of our range to be either hybrid or electric. Mm-hmm. So that was done. Even We didn't even know Formula e existed. 2013 was when Formula e, uh, came knocking on the door and we felt, oh, yeah, this could make sense. It could help accelerate our growth. It could help us. Because at that point in time, we also started looking westward in the sense, okay, the brand started growing westward and we felt... Formula E will talk about sustainability, talk about fun, talk about technology. And that's where we would like to get ourselves associated with. And by then, we also already had a couple of years of racing under our belt with a Moto3 team. Yeah. And, and that racing started totally by accident. It was a total accident. We started uh, motorsport. And we felt it was starting to gel. We had a decent fan base. We were just starting to win in Moto3. So we felt, okay, there are legs for, for us to go internationally with motorsport and formally could be something. So while we looked at electric, we felt it connected to our brand. It connected to our roadmap of increasing uh, an electric portfolio within the company. So we said, okay, let's go in. But when we got in, we did not want to hide behind a proxy brand. So we came in as an OEM right from day one. So Mahindra today is the oldest OEM in Formula, but we said, okay, if you go into it, let's go try it on our own. Let's go have some fun out there. At the same time, uh, I think it's going to be a learning journey. And 
honestly, last six years has been great fun. Yeah, I'm sure it has. And you, you obviously um, had to switch positions to go in as team boss um, of, of the Formula E team. What were you doing before? And when you were put into this position, was there any? Um, did you think, God, no, that I, I can't do this. This isn't my skill set. And, and what was it like going into the paddock that first time? Well, uh, see, I was looking after sports investments for the group. So at one end, I wore one hat to decide the approval of this project. At the same time, I removed that hat and I raised my hand and said, can I, can I run the team? See, going back to my personal career, I've always changed industry and function. I've always enjoyed a new challenge. And I think my previous challenge to Formula E was much bigger than what we did at Formula E. I had a small startup which is developing software. And that software was running the FIFA World Cup. And I actually project managed <clears throat> the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Right. Okay, so 64 Impressive. games in 30 days with 200 people in South Africa. It was amazing. So wow. I think coming from that, that's when I realized, okay, we actually started a company doing software for sporting events. So we had customers like A1, GP, US Soccer, uh, FIFA, etc. So the journey has been vast, doing different stuff. And I think when this came up, it sort of brought back memories that I would like to get back and think. So I've always enjoyed a startup organization. Mm. And I looked at this job like another startup. It happened to be in motorsport. But having said that, I think the moment we signed the contract on 28th of October 2014, I was having dinner with my boss, Mr. Mahindra. And I think we did have an, oh, what have we got into moment? <laughs> but I said, We'll figure it out as we go by, as I said. And I think what Mr. Mahindra and, and I think myself also I will strongly believe in is find the purpose, the means will follow. We've got into it. We are not going to sink. We'll find a way to swim. This is an industry which is out there. And I think yeah, we sort of took that attitude and I packed my bags and came to England in, in I think, January 2014 to start a wow. team. And yeah, it was good fun. And that, and uh, you know, the past six seasons of Formula E have, have proven that not only has Formula E in itself, the championship come so far as well, but you as a team have have progressed uh, massively as well. When you look back at, at season six, uh, just gone, obviously a bit of a a unique season, especially with you know the last six rounds all being in Berlin. How have you uh, found season six and in, in the most recent series of Formula E? You as a team boss navigating this sort of strange new normal that we go motor racing in. Well, first of all, I'm not sure this is a new normal because we are still, I think, trying to figure out what's happening, right? Because every day is a change. And I think I'm really pleased that, okay, the, the team at Mahindra, the team at Formula E, were very pragmatic, very decisive. And at the same time, I think we did understand okay, what the consequences were. Took some decisions pretty quickly in early March when the pandemic came out in terms of suspending the season. At the same time, I think... After that, put an interesting plan on how this is all going to come together. It was communicated quite well to the fans, etc. And I think this whole concept of literally a season and a week in Berlin was really amazing. Yeah, Mm. I do have my story, but at the same time, I think from a championship perspective, it was really interesting. It put a lot of pressure on the teams, put a lot of pressure. But at the same time, I think it gave the fans like a build-up to a spectacular end to a season. Good racing, even though it was just towards one track with different... Uh, bits. I thought we saw a lot of good stuff. So at the end of the day, I think looking back and reflecting, I think we handled season six quite well. Mm-hmm. But I think if I look back, Formula has handled all the previous six years very well. 
So at each stage as it moved, because again, like I was talking to you guys earlier, I have been a guy who's done a couple of startups. In startups, you have pretty ambitious milestones. And I think this has been one startup which literally has hit all its milestones over the last six years in terms of growth, in terms of spectator stuff, in terms of technology, et cetera. So that's where I find it pretty unique and I find this pretty exciting is that we're still growing, we're hitting our marks. And I think that's something that's really amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing when you think a company of a quarter of a million people and you're still growing and it's uh, it's doing incredibly well. And and um, as Harry mentions, you know, it's it's all come to fruition on the Formula E side. I mean, you've had tremendous success and you've been there since the beginning. And on, on that subject, it's changed immeasurably in the last uh, six seasons. The cars have changed. The batteries have changed. There's been new manufacturers come in. When you first started in the sport, did you imagine it would grow this well and this quickly and you'd have so many big manufacturers and brands coming into the sport guys i think if anyone tells you today that six years ago they expected formula to be this i'll tell you the guy's flat out lying <laughs> okay even alejandro agag okay the founder the most optimistic person you can see in the world i don't think if you sort of if you look at his uh, business plan it wasn't like this so i think we have exceeded expectations to be honest at this point of time but at the same time we pretty early, I think by season two, we started realizing that, okay, we are going to be exceeding goals. So the goals became higher and higher. We actually started start, like tuning it to a certain extent to a higher level. So I think from a perspective, it's been an immensely satisfying journey because, you know, we have been doing stuff right. Because in the initial part, remember, we had to start from a negative position. People are wondering what the hell are we guys about? Okay, the petrol had said, is this ever going to take off? So we had to first move the sentiment from being negative. So what we should say, like moving petrol heads to become spark heads. Okay, so move that little bit sentiment. That sentiment turned on quite quickly. And at the same time, it was really nice to start seeing, okay, a, for a brand like Mahindra to start rubbing shoulders with the Porsches and the Mercedes. Because see, for us, those are all aspirational brands. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear about it. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be racing against those names because when we grew up, those are the names I always saw and I never expected that one day we would be racing with them shoulder to shoulder, never thinking that we are an underdog, but we are there on our merit. And that, I think, really gives me a lot of satisfaction. Have you seen, uh, with your involvement uh, with Mahindra in Formula E, has there been a, a direct positive correlation with, uh, with the business sales in, in India or perhaps worldwide? See, when you look at our measurement, there are multiple uh, parameters. So, like when we came in strategically, we looked at two bits uh, to grow our brand internationally and technology from race to road. Our brand awareness, international markets like uh, like Western Europe, America, etc., has grown exponentially. We've launched new products, etc. In this period of time, we have grown into new markets. And at the same time, also on the race to road part of it, we went and launched Automobili Pen and Farina and came out of the car. So we have actually done stuff in a pretty quick way. And we Mm. realized, okay, we would like to move the brand up to that side. So if I look at it in six years, uh, Mahindra has done pretty amazing stuff. If you remember, it was two years ago in Rome at season four when he launched Automobili Pin and Farina. A year later, there was a model car there. And if he had the race this year, would have had a running car there. So in a short period from launching a company to have a 1,900 horsepower and where we were able to transfer technology. I think that just shows the skill, the, uh, the, the rapidness with which our organization works. While it's huge, I think Formula E is sort of at a point where we are able to influence a larger part of the organization since we are 
working from a startup mindset. Yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. You know, for us, like there's just absolutely no limits. Um, and, sorry, Harry, go on. No, I was going to say, Nick Heidfeld, isn't he? Obviously, former race driver, now still associated with Mahindra. He's working on that project, isn't he? Testing the car. Is that right? That's right. So he's the the head of development for the uh, for that particular car. So he drives it, so he has all the fun. Yeah. And at the same time, yeah, he's also a reserve driver for us. So when, when he jumps back into our car, he says the car is really slow. And that's the thing, though. We, we've discovered that um, in driver contracts, now, is this true, that you tend to write in that, all drivers have to leave uh, a helmet uh, for you as a clause. And looking at uh, our audio uh, listeners won't be able to see this, but looking at your background, I think that's confirmed. I think I spy a Bruno Stella helmet, a Nick Heidfeld <laughs> helmet. I'm not sure who the red one is, but um, is that is that clause true? And obviously, I'm thinking perhaps it is. Well, obviously, I'm not going to tell you details about driver clauses, but our drivers are really good. At the end of the season, they do leave a helmet back oh, as a sacred memory for all of us. So, yeah. How generous. Uh, we, do have, we do have some for our sort of history. And I think as we build a team, I would love to have how we have grown and yeah. yeah. yeah the, the red one is actually Jerome's helmet. Jerome, that's ah, it. I, yeah. I recognized it, but I wasn't quite sure whose it was. Yeah, very, and of course, yeah. the iconic Senna colors next to it as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, take us through some of your, your best memories as team boss or your highlights. Obviously, your first win in Berlin um, in 2017 and a third at that same event. How, how did it feel getting that win? Are there any other highlights that really stand out for you? Well, I think the whole journey of Formula honestly has been a highlight. Okay, because we have influenced in our organization quite a lot at Mahindra. Okay, but having said that, I think for me, if I look at it, there are a few milestones which sort of stand out and I'll always sort of reflect back. One was September 13th, 2014, the first race in Beijing. Man, this championship has started. Okay, like while we were all like talking about it, we went there racing around the bird's nest was really amazing. Like in China, around the bird's nest, 20 cars and we go green and it sort of went on. I think the second bit was obviously uh, our win in Berlin because we knew it was coming by then. Season three was a breakout year for us. We started literally like doing a podium at every race uh, prior to that. So it was building up. And and especially I think Berlin was doubly satisfying because we were pretty dominant that weekend. There was It was a double header. We actually won both the races. The second day, Felix was given a 10-second penalty and he dropped from, first, uh, from pole position. He took poles to light, I mean, flags victory that day. But then since we had this unfortunate uh, crash in the garage between Nick and Felix themselves on the second day, we got a 10-second penalty. But he still finished second with a 10-second penalty. That was how dominant we were that day. So I think from that perspective, Berlin was really good. And overall, I think what satisfies me is that this little baby which we put together is now becoming a young adult. And it's becoming a young adult which sort of can stand by itself. We're having a lot more folks coming on board. I never expected it would be 64 people strong by now mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, overall, it's, it's, a, it's a satisfying journey. And as with all racing journeys, as with all startup journeys, there are, of course, incredibly challenging moments. So if we flip that question around, is there a particular moment that's been quite challenging for you that sticks out to you? Oh, there's been quite a few of those moments, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. I suppose was it and was it I suppose, as as well as uh, getting getting uh, going going green around the birds. It must have been a huge challenge, perhaps logistically, or was it all quite all quite straightforward? You know, I think from our perspective, it was reasonably straightforward because we had contracted all the professional running of the of the cars to Carlin. 
So they they were a professional team. They knew what they were doing. And so at my point of time, to be very honest, I think we were learning on the job from my end, helping them a little bit on the electric side because we knew a bit more electric mobility than them. But they were like really the masters of what they were doing. If it sort of stands back and if I reflect back, okay, what sort of still something the wake up sweating was, we decided towards the end of season one to move away from Carlin to another team. So at that point of time, we also like formally decided to be, uh, allow manufacturers into the championship because initially the plan was for the first three years, we will run with the standard cars. But after one year, since the championship grew, we said, okay, by season two, we will have manufacturers bringing their own powertrains. And since I was moving from service providers, I didn't have any technical staff. I'm not technical, but we had to go design a powertrain for the next year's car. And that was when going and trying to do a gearbox motor and laying the specifications yourself and realizing that entire next year's car is on someone who knows nothing. Yeah. And that for me brings out cold sweat. And I think we were quite good then. And, the, and I think the interesting part was most of the help I got in designing that car was from one of our competitors. <laughs> I worked with one of our competitors' engineers openly, okay? And he said, okay, guys, because we didn't have a team. I didn't have staff. I had not yet hired our folks into our team. Our technical director, et cetera, hadn't come in. So just imagine a guy who has no background in electric mobility, was not on motorsport, is trying to design a car on, which is going to be homologated for the next year. And we were pretty successful here. Yeah. We got a podium yeah. in the first race of the car. Yeah, yeah. terrific stuff. Now listen, well. um, Dilbag Gill, there are important moments in your life, such as going into Formula E for the first time, getting your first win. However, this... Sir, is the most important of them all. This is the Motormouth quiz, and I shall pass over to my esteemed colleague to introduce it for you and see how you get on. Yes, thank you, Tim. Dilbag, welcome to Motormouth. It is uh, the hardest quiz in motorsport. There is a lengthy, a lengthy leaderboard. Um, in fact, there's about there's over 30. Uh, unfortunately, one of your former drivers, Karun Chandok, bless him, is at the bottom of that leaderboard. <laughs> he didn't do very well. Um, but I have got... Karun has done badly. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. He's, exactly. Well, he's, you're, he's everyone, my local historian. Exactly. Everybody player. says that. To be fair to him, we had a different scoring system when we had him on. But he, even, even when I transferred Translated it, it still didn't, didn't do very well. But either way, we'll let that slide. Um, we've got people like David Coulthard in the midfield, around 10th place, 10 points going. The maximum you can get is 13 points. Um, and if you get 13, you go right to the top of the leaderboard. I have four clips that we're going to play for you. Uh, and after I've played you one, I'll ask you a couple of questions. And there's three points up for grabs for each one. Does that sound doable? Is there ask a friend, call a friend, or anything like that? <laughs> Absolutely, not. Absolutely no. not. But ha- ha- having said that, Harry is the softest quiz show host on the yes, planet. So a yeah, little bit I of arm can... twisting and you'll get three points all over the place. Let's go and embarrass me. <laughs> I am. Okay, let's have clip one because I just need the leaderboard because I forgot I didn't actually have it. I heard the cupboard door creaking I know, open. I'm in my little cupboard. I, need my... I forgot the leaderboard. Have you got it? Hang on. I've got it. You got it, right. Are you ready? Here comes clip number one. Listen carefully. This is quite a long one. Well, there's lots of uh, dust coming from a safety car in my face because I'm the first car in the queue. But, um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Not as bumpy as I thought for a concrete surface. Um, Obviously, we're going at slower speed, so it'll be interesting to see what the corners are like uh, once we get up to speed a bit more. 
but uh, it seems like quite good fun. The last sector is going to be really, really tricky in qualifying, I think. When we get to 200 kilowatt mode, it's going to be quite quick through there. You've got to hustle the car around to get a lap time. I think you'll get this one. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, that was a particularly long one. OK, so your questions are, Dillbag. Who was saying all that? What track do you think they were at and what year? I would, I'm just going to hazard a guess because I'm, I'm, I'm old, I'm getting deaf in my ears, so I'm taking <laughs> excuse. I would say that's Karun Chandok season one, Berlin. Wow, three out of three. Boom. Fair play. What a strong star. No I thought you'd get, you'd get Karun, but I didn't think you'd get Berlin. So that was a very good, a very good try. That was, that was Karun all day long. I mean, that, uh, most people oh, would have got Karun. That, that's the easiest one. Yeah, uh, they get harder from here. Um, okay. Here's your second clip. Strong start. Here we go. It's nice to be quick, but uh, there is a lot more to, to this track and to this weekend than just being quick. So, yeah, the challenge is too big. So, uh, it's nice to be here and hopefully we can repeat it in qualifying. Okay, same questions apply. Who, when and where? This is Bruno. Absolutely. Correct. One point in the bag. I think this is Monaco season one again. He did FP2. He was fastest. And you're looking at him to repeat this in quality. Yes, 100%. Oh, and the FP2, that, oh, I'm, I'm tempted to give an extra point for that. Don't uh, do it. Don't do it. You were fastest in FP2, if I'm not mistaken. You were, you were. And then, unfortunately, the and race then, didn't quite pan out the way you wanted to do yeah. Actually, uh, Harry... Yeah, because you had this massive crash that... that yes. You, I think uh, there was about 10 cars involved. Yeah, I'm, okay, I won't give him no, a no, bonus. No, I was going to say, you maybe you should, because for exceptional answers, maybe we should give a little bonus point, because it's getting so congested up the top of the leaderboard. It is getting, it that, is getting particularly... Uh, you know what? I'll put it in brackets yeah. for now and then we'll see what it's like come the end. And the if he brackets needs it, we'll give, give it that it little extra, <laughs> extra lift. Right. Okay. Doing really well so far, though. Full points. Um, let's hear clip number three. Yeah, the rear's broken. I need to stop. Tire's coming off. Okay. Oh, always makes me jump that bit. <laughs> okay. Same questions yet again. Who, where, and when? I think... This is Pascal Marrakesh, first race after Degrassi hit him, first lap. Absolutely. 100% accuracy there. The man's a motorsport encyclopedia. Yeah, none of this uh, oh, memory fading. You've got it right in there still. Okay, final clip for you before we have a bonus question. So listen to this, your final clip. Here we go. <laughs> oh mental my absolutely mental yes <laughs> do you want to say the answer or the answer's here <laughs> the fez for our audio our audio listeners <laughs> Dilbag will say it verbally <laughs> okay so that's Marrakesh season 5 after Jerome finishes the race um, Six laps going in. He was still running third. The two BMWs crash into each other. We have a safety car for five laps. And then the last lap, it's a one-lap shootout. And Jerome finishes locking up in the last corner. Robin Friends is right behind his back. I think yeah. it was 0 .0, 0 0.017 seconds or something like that when he went into the race. 100%. 100%. Oh. Wow, this is going to... I mean, you're on for a... A, you don't need the bonus point. You're on for a, a top, top positioning. I'm okay. feeling overwhelmed. Keep going. This is your this is your bonus question, though. Last one we're going to chuck at you. Tough one. How many points did Mahindra 
finish with in season one? And if you get within... T- 58, 40, Bruno. Oh! oh, he doesn't need it with it. He doesn't need it. it oh, that's... I mean, well, that's, I don't need full to house. That, full house. Bill Baggill, you have scored 13 out of 13 points, which puts you right at the top One of more. the leaderboard. You have finally... Can I scream at Jerome now? Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you need oh. to scream like that because you've just you've just displaced Connor Daly, who is currently top of our leaderboard. Um, but now it's still bad guilt. So, oh. still bad guilt, congratulations and thank you for playing Motormouth. That is so exciting. Thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate that and it was really good fun to go back with some lovely memories of the last few years. When, you. when, uh, you're welcome. But we're not done with you yet. Don't go anywhere. But that that was um, you smashed it. That is the best performance we've ever had on the quiz. Well done, you. Now listen, let's get back to Formula E. So we we heard um, one of your, um, I think it was a podcast or an interview with Rob Watts um, from uh, Inside Electric, some friends of ours, friends of um, of Motormouth. That um, season six was a year of transition um, for the team. Why is that? And let's start looking ahead to season seven and your expectations there. But take us through the transitional part of season six first. See, as I said like earlier, we started with an outsourced model and we kept bringing the outsourced inside because the championship getting started getting a lot more serious. We were able to attract talent. And in season six, we decided that we we're going to bring everyone in-house and finally have a one Mahindra team. So that's what happened over the last one year. So we've moved to a new premises in Banbury, brought in everyone under the same roof. And also at this point of time, we've decided to, and we signed up with a major engineering company called ZF to help us with the powertrain development, et cetera. So to a large extent, I think it's sort of a reset button for us because now I think we are responsible for our journey going forward. And it's the people in-house. So it's a lot of people joined us during the year and uh, help us grow. I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's, a transition because now this is a Mahindra team now. Yeah, mm, yeah, it's exciting, really. It's, it's as you say, it's it's all go from from day one almost again. Now you've also secured Alexander Sims for next year as one of your drivers. Haven't confirmed the second driver yet, but how important is it to have someone like Alexander Sims on board for for the season uh, going ahead? Yeah, Alexander is like an amazing person. I think we've been looking at him uh, since he started in Formula E. Uh, so his first year being Dacosta's teammate was amazing because, you know, Dacosta sort of being the standard driver right now mm. and he compared very favorably to it. Alexander's single lap pace was never under question. I think he's improved a lot in his racing and we all realized formally it's the second season when he starts sort of getting the rhythm coming on board. And also the next part, which is not really, I won't discount it, but I think it's really important, as I said, like we've been starting to regroup our organization and Alexander lives 45 minutes away. So I think that also helps in putting a new team together where he can come and start working with that team in terms of pushing it forward in, in the direction in, mm-hmm. on the infrastructure side, etc. And we've been a very insular team for the last couple of years. It was largely sort of Mahindra homegrown. Our drivers came from outside or we had from a service provider, etc. So we, we spent, okay, it's time for us to also get a little bit of understanding what's happening in the market with our competitors, etc. So Alexander has raised for the team whom we rate are pretty very strongly BMW, and so we want to also learn. Okay, like what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And uh, get a perspective from someone who's in it from the other side. Yeah, mm. and, and you've any you, hints? Yeah, on that any hints. Bear in mind that this this podcast is being released in two weeks, so we've got a two week run here. So if there is a little exclusive that may already be out by the time this gets aired, feel free to share. No, I think. <laughs> 
we are talking to a few drivers at this point of time as it's a, as it's obvious thing but um <laughs> nothing I, I nothing to give away <laughs> oh, no don't no worry actually just off of that though is there obviously you know in your first season you had karun in the car indian driver indian team are there any chances of that happening again with a young indian driver is that something you would like to encourage are you looking at it or are you literally just looking at who's out there at the moment and who who do we want who who fits best while we are really proud of our indian heritage we are a global team mm-hmm. so okay so the way we look at it is like we are a global team headquartered in india at the same time so we are looking for the best talent which is available worldwide and to be honest i think while well, yes there was a correlation between karun being from india etc but we wanted someone who we could trust who we knew i knew karun growing up as a child because i used to race against his father at some point of time so it was a, it helped like get our team started and you know with karun's knowledge his expertise he's an encyclopedia and i'm yeah. i'm seriously so happy that i'm slightly higher than him on the leaderboard right now okay, for me that's one victory man i'm going to like rabbit him when i see him next i love that guy and amazing because he's like a mr whatever wikipedia of motorsport yeah. or something like that yeah, so he came in and really helped us i think put stuff together but at the same time we are looking at talent out of india but for us it's who's the best driver anywhere in the world yeah. we'll try and get them yeah. now what's the future look like for mahindra you you've fast tracked to this point we're coming up to season 7 what what's the next few years what are the milestones for you i think from a perspective see, we are here in formula e and we want to stay in formula e we are one of i think maybe two or three teams which hasn't liquidated any part of its equity we came in in season 1 as a 100% mahindra team Six years later, we are a hundred percent Mahindra team. So our commitment to the championship is there. Electric mobility is really important for us. We are starting just to grow the pin and freeno brand, etc. I think for for me, as a goal is how do we become a consistent, relevant player in this championship? That we've had a couple of real good seasons. Last season wasn't the best. So how do we sort of get back to being a consistent team in the top? Uh, bracket of the championship and i think that's something which is really important for us because i think formula e while we did see a little bit in season 6 i don't expect this to be the norm where one team is sort of going to run away with the championship ever mm. it's not going to be like the mercedes of formula 1 so as long as we are there fighting year after year i think that's mm. something which will give us a lot of satisfaction uh, and away from the race track now what do you like to do do you like to relax in any particular way how do you take your mind off things Okay, now time for. Uh, I sleep a lot. <laughs> so, Wish I could do that. Like, okay, so like for me, I, also my my hobby is sleeping. Yeah, nice. And I think I'm the most useful doing that because I'm never, I don't get into trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> now I think I, I I like working with my hands, so I do a lot of work at home. I built a very green home a couple of years ago. it's a certified green home so i spend a lot of time doing stuff out there it's like if you look at how uh, the various levels it's called the lead it's a lead gold certified which is the highest uh, level for a uh, personal residence so i spend a lot of time doing that I like the i like gardening uh, stuff out there so it's like something to do with my hands yeah. uh, keep myself busy so it's yeah, a little bit of carpentry and stuff like that talking to things like carpentry and so on do you do you outside of what you do you're obviously a businessman entrepreneur been involved with startups um motorsport what are your hidden talents is there anything you do that people don't know about that you're exceptionally good at you mentioned carpentry there is that a big thing for you well i think i'm reasonably good at that so if i i 
If push comes to shove, I think I can earn a wage as a carpenter. There we go. <laughs> Always good to have a backup. <laughs> Always good to um, have a backup. <laughs> again, flip that on its side. What are you terrible at? What are you so bad that you just you just can't do it? Man, nearly everything. I'm really bad. <laughs> my, my body coordination is horrible. Oh, really? <laughs> Not a dancer? Yes. Yeah, for between my mind and my the body, there's no connect. Like there's something <laughs> lost in my neck or there. So my mind wants me to do a lot of stuff. My neck, uh, the rest of the body doesn't. So I'm a very uncoordinated person. So yeah, I'm uh, not. Uh, I think very sporty or anything like that. So yeah, I think I'm really horrible at. I will never try a physical <laughs> I'm, challenge. I'm really horrible, <laughs> basically at everything apart from what I do. Um, now listen, we have three final questions for you, which we ask to all of our guests, and we get varying degrees of answers. Harry, why don't you kick off? Yep, Dillbag, what's got you excited at the moment? Well, when you talk about the moment, I'm talking about the moment now, now. Now. I think this later this afternoon we're going to finalize a livery for season seven. Ooh, so I'm just exciting. waiting for there are people we've got our internal design team and an external team to do the submission. So I, once I get off this, I'm going to be looking forward to that submission. So Very exciting. I think, yeah, I think that's something. So that's like when I'm talking about, I'm talking about like 15, 20 minutes after this call. So it's now, now. Yeah. <laughs> is that, that is literally it, now. Is that, the, yeah. is that the internal reveal of delivery or is that is that a public reveal? No, that's a reveal. Like it's basically uh, for me to choose shortlist. So right. I'm going to be seeing the first drawings for season seven delivery concepts from our team. Wow. This afternoon. Yeah. That is, that's a fun way to spend the afternoon. Um, if not doing what you are doing, what would you be doing? I think today I'm in England. The weather's nice. I would like to go outside for a walk and spend some time Ooh. because it's it's September. Having a lovely day like this in the UK in September, you're not going to get many more of these. So I think I'd like to do something outdoors this afternoon. I like that. That's a totally different take on that question, but I really <laughs> like where that's gone. <laughs> Harry, over to you with the last one. I like that. Okay, Dillbag, final question for you before we let you go. What are you scared of? I think today it's my teenager daughter. She's 17. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she's 17. She's got an opinion. Uh, she's, so I think to be oh, honest, yes. going, to, uh, going to college next year, you know, a high school kid. It, when I, I mean, I think of what I did when I was a high school kid just before college. Oh, that's amazing <laughs> oh, that, that, that is takes brilliant it. what a way Absolutely to finish brilliant. what a way to finish um, Dilbag thank you so so much for joining us for the last 45 minutes or so pleasure talking to you hugely exciting times ahead for Mahindra Racing and the company as a whole uh, we wish you all the best for season 7 let's hope it's uninterrupted and perhaps we'll see you in a paddock soon thanks guys I really appreciate it and please do tweet the leaderboard okay in my life I want to see myself leading something okay I've never led something in my life so this is a perfect moment so I think that's the most I'm most excited about right now I'm on the leaderboard absolutely yeah. we'll make sure to get them we'll be loud and proud with that loud and proud absolutely thank you much guys <laughs> really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook just search Motormouth you can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV create your own social profile and interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast